Welcome to the State of the Markets podcast. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com. I'm Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. Just want to say a big thank you to Stephen Byfield for your voice message. It was very much appreciated that you appreciate the podcast. Francis Hunt, the market sniper, has contacted us to say that he would like to update us on the markets and he is our very special guest. So, Francis, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Delighted to be back with you guys. How have things panned out since you were last on the show? And what do you see either continuing or changing? Oh, well, thank you very much. Yes, first for the question uh, that you're asking. It's it's very much um, a continuation of a major, major macro theme. And that is uh, the dominance of the dollar. Uh, the belligerence of the Fed in terms of rates, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, rate hikes. In fact, I've, I've just come back having been out, and I'm shocked even by what I'm seeing. Um, the yen, the Asian FX market crisis is real. It's happening. It's the one we've called. We've been the guy about this. So it's it's beyond a milkshake. There's, uh, it's not purely dollar dominance. It's a massive part of everything. But there's also going to be certain commodity currencies that are going to do relatively well against Asians uh, failure and euro failure. So why don't we just cover what's happened in the markets today? Uh, and actually, a lot of the drivers for the FX side is, in fact, the, uh, the interest rate perce- perce- perception of uh, what the Fed is going to be doing. So this is, uh, a, this is the big macro story. Um, I've just sent a request through to do screen share. So if you can confirm that that's coming through, all right. It is, yeah. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, so looking at the the US government tenure, one of the big benchmarks, and you can see we're on an hourly, but if I just pivoted to give you a little bit more, uh, a little bit more data, you can see we've surged again to 3.34. And there were people calling peak inflation, peak interest, uh, peak bond rates, and we've just been going, no, no, no. Uh, people are going to call peak countless times. Uh, and any sign of weakness, they're going to start calling peaks on inflation. They're going to start peaking. We, we, we coined the term hyperstagflation. And this is essentially an exceedingly stubborn, doesn't easily go away, might occasionally take a foot step back, only to come two or three further forward later. Because people's behavior patterns start to adjust, currencies are losing value, so they are importing inflation. uh, And America is dealing a little bit with its overly high inflation rate by exporting it to other nations where their currencies are weakening. And one of the big areas are the hyper-financially engineered nation states. So you're talking about the UK, you're talking about the Euro, and you're talking about the Japanese, uh, Korea, etc. A lot of Western-friendly nation states, it has to be said in the Asian bloc and, of course, in Euro, the Euroland, both the EU and the United Kingdom. Um, so Northern Europe, we've done a reset sniper. We've said, guys, this is going to be a winter of discontent because just you just don't kill uh, a, a, an inflation monster once it's, uh, you know, it's already through the teens and the growth hormone is spurting. You've got to kill these monsters when we're small and that ship sailed a long, long time ago. And the six points 
to 7 trillion that they created has absolutely over-medicated for um, the, uh, the inflation bout that we're now getting um, for the collapse that was uh, created as a result to the response to the March 2020th events. So here you're seeing the, the yield going up. What is this meaning? Well, Dixie's now through 110.45. I want to highlight that this is something we said on a macro basis many, 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 many uh, years back. Uh, and we said we've got a macro falling wedge on this dollar index that points to a major resurgence. And I've just put the lines on here. This is a chart we've shown many, many times. I'm going to actually change it for the one uh, above, which is just end of day uh, data. And uh, it's I, as I say, I can't put it enough in front of people. This is a secular cycle of real strength in the dollar versus predominantly the euro in this, but the Asian story is huge in this as well. Just to pivot that to log scale. So the minute you're covering multi-decades, we've got since 1980 on up top here, right the way through into our current uh, period now. So that's log scale. And here was the first turning, the third. First, you had the great financial crisis. It spiked dollar out of a bear trend that it had been in for a sustained period since 2001. You got that squeeze, you ran it out of the falling wedge, and you since formed this structure over here, which we said will be a continuation breakout. So you're heading for uh, the 111, which will be a first target. We're actually getting a little bit of a blow off here today. And I think it's going to run technical targets. And stunningly, you could actually have a rest for a while. And it would be very typical of the market. So even though while we're saying the macro theme is a dollar dominance, you could actually get a rest for a while on the dollar index, which could mean the euro could uh, recover a bit and possibly the Asians. But the, the performance of the Asian uh, currencies has been particularly more weak. And many ask if you're having a competition of the ugly sister, who's the ugliest of them all? And we take Euroland, let's take the euro as the crown prince in that one. And we put it against the, the Japanese yen as, as one of the weakest of the majors. Just looking, talking majors now, not getting exotic into the Korean one, which we love, etc., etc. We're actually seeing upside gains for the euro against the yen. So in the ugly sisters, who's the ugliest of them all? Uh, the yen is without doubt, in, in our opinion, one of the ugliest of the majors. And the the best trade for us for a real blow-off event is probably our Korean one, but the yen is right there with it. You, today, as we're speaking, this has happened, and you've got the yen running um, 142, uh, which, is, uh, which, is, which is quite uh, astounding. If you look at the rate that this uh, chart has gone up, and I'm just going to remove uh, my uh, drawings, Look at this blow-off rate. You're at 102 in February of 21. 18 months later, you're at 142. You know, you're looking at, uh, the temptation is to call it around 40, but it's not far off uh, a full 40% devaluation in the yen to the dollar, which is epic. And the rate is actually accelerating. This is just blown off. And of course, they're doing yield curve control. They're doing a lot of things. So there's truly exciting trades. Our macro trades keep paying and paying, being short the yen, being short the one, being dollar dominant, being short the euro. Um, and the beyond milkshake part is that there's actually co commodity currencies such as the Australian dollar, um, the New Zealand dollar, the Canadian, that are actually in the mix there and are going to overperform against those Asians as well. So by having a little mix of those, on the dollar pullback moments, which will come, you may find uh, that those trades balance out your portfolio. So if you do dollar everything five times, 
and you put the USD yen on, you put the USD Korean one on, you short the Euro USD, essentially you've, your money management is times three or times five for every way you represent the same idea if it's purely a dollar dominance. So it's supportive to uh, your trading to actually mix it up a tiny bit just so that you don't have all bad days on PL where they all turn red on you uh, if the dollar does have a little bit of respite. But there's not too much respite around. You've got the euro sitting at 98.75. Uh, um, we've also called the euro Swiss franc. So it's one we've had for a 0.71 run. So that's going to be exceptional. You can see this rejection here. Technically, it's just an absolute runaway train. Look at that little shooting star in that first one. And then that huge look one way, go up to here and then reject it all the way down. This is a very ugly piece of price behavior, and it's worse against the dollar. So I suppose that's my opening gambit. You are watching what I expect will be a great depression that's going to be brought down. It's going to be worse and harder. It sounds like doomsday profit just wants to be bearish. There's real opportunity in sell-offs. By being the guy that retains liquidity, that defends himself, big sell-offs are a win. Markets fall faster than they go up. I'm not sitting here just because I want to show that I'm the most miserable guy about the future. Not at all. I'm inherently optimistic. Uh, I enjoy making money. I got the perma bear comments because we're still short uh, crypto and Bitcoin and we're still asking questions about that, which I can pivot to in a bit if you'd like that for your audience. Um, but the key thing is we're making money in this bear market. It's not a bad time if you can make money. Um, this is the big short all over again, only it's a macro short. You know, it, it's everything short, literally, so, except the dollar. So, Francis, I'm going to ask a question that might sound a bit naive. Um, as someone who's not a trader and not a currency trader, um, these the situation globally is in, in a little over 30 years in the capital markets, the closest I think I've ever come to seeing pure chaos. Why do you think that the US dollar is as strong? Why is it as strong as it is? So, there... I, so there's multiple layers to answering that accurately. The simple fundamental point is that as long as the Federal Reserve is perceived to be pursuing a more aggressive monetary policy, then the weakening economies of Europe, China, the rest of Asia can afford to do. And there is an increasing expectation of a broadening or a deviation from um, interest rate policy. What you get is essentially it's more attractive to hold dollars because a if you if you are a global macro and people can many people can move money and put it anywhere they like you can have a foreign exchange account uh, you don't have to be a high net worth too high net worth individual to be able to have you know various currencies of the majors people will if they sitting in a collapsing euro paying a lower percent um, will take the higher interest paying so you've got a, you've got a carry effect yeah yeah, carry. It's basically the carry. So that's the fundamental level of answer. The, the next layer to your question that could be answering is why is the Fed potentially pursuing a much more? Having gone to this global synchronized realm where everybody is hopelessly over indebted, everybody's doing very much the samey, samey thing. Why are you now getting this departure? And my argument is they attacked when the euro was launched. And they wanted to show that they were the chief silverback in the currency game. And the euro launched at around, uh, I can't recall, 140 or 120. And it ended up at 80 cents, uh, just so that the dollar could show it's still the big bad boy in the lounge. We know there's more attacks than have ever existed as a result of 
a lot of what America has chosen to do towards Russia you, uh, in terms of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the BRIC nations, etc., etc. That's been burbling along for a long, long time. So it inherently is a defensive position against the loss of hegemony um, to create, make it attractive to hold dollars because essentially they're saying, we'll pay you more for having your currency in dollars and you'll get appreciation, which they know is an effect by pursuing uh, an aggressive monetary policy. Don't forget, these guys were totally late to rise interest rates, uh, to uh, sorry, to cut interest rates when the crisis came and have now been very late to start increasing them. And they always overdo it generally. And now they have uh, another reason, which is the threat to their hegemony to continue to do that. As you see in Saudi Arabia and many other petrodollar alliances starting to fray at the edges. So it's about now having to compete. And one of the best ways is to compete is to make people money. Um, it's very much like the crypto market in that sense. Who's the biggest up on the day? So by being aggressive on monetary policy, they drain dollars. They've also got a tightening agenda where they're removing dollars. Uh, and as a result, a lot of dollar pricing that is in existence now has a shortage of dollars. The dollar gets bid up and the, the, the interest rate parity is no longer there. You get a better yield on the dollar. So the name is fighting inflation, but the game is actually defense of their hegemony in my opinion. And further to which, it will precipitate a global recession, which will uh, help kill inflation globally, but it's not gonna be very painful. Uh, it's not gonna be painless. It's gonna be highly painful uh, in actual fact, because they're gonna kill demand of any variety. Uh, and we're gonna go through that COVID type um, lockdown, people without jobs, people on reduced earnings, uh, and a lot of that, which is very good at containing the demand in an environment where you've already done your best to destroy supply chains. You've, you've created a lot of uh, double-digit inflation, which is verging on qualifying for hyperinflation on its own. Uh, so you create a, a, a corresponding depression. So the forces are just getting more extreme. At, at, at each end. And we, you know, they've redefined the, the definition of a recession on the basis that they've got such a strong labor market, which is also uh, based on fake statistics, in our opinion. Um, so this is, this is, there's many layers to your question, sure. in essence, the fundamental surface reasons and why I think the others are coming. And the global depression that they'll bring about with this conduct and the pain it'll inflict, and we're seeing super spikes. You know, I was sharing just the other day when I was in April with Ash Bennington of Real Vision, and I was saying we're going to see a halvening of the USD Korean one in a super spike that will show that our statement that the FX markets are the new crypto markets uh, on the Korean one. Now, that trade has moved emphatically in the direction that we said it would. And here it is right now. And you can see the Korean one sitting at 1378. Um, and we've called for the US. Dom and, Dom and Asian FX debt crisis, the uh, 2223. And that's the label that's been sitting on this chart that I've been sharing for an extended period. And if I just take all the scribbles off again, and you just look at this just on a daily basis, forget the macro, that is a very, very strong runaway loss of value. And Korea is, you know, it's Samsung, mm. it's Hyundai and Kia. This is not a third world economy. And it's starting to look like the USD tri chart just before that went into melt up state. So I guess, thank you for, for, for the exegesis. What I, I guess where I'm coming from is I'm, I'm struggling to reconcile the, the, the logic of what you just said with, uh, as a value guy, I guess I'm, I'm always looking for some kind of narrative. And the narrative as I see it is we are living through the end of days of the existing fiat system full stop. 
So, so then it comes down to if, if that is the case, if this is an existential crisis threatening all unbacked fiat, why isn't gold doing better? Um, so, good point and a great question. And here's my answer to that question. So, as you're probably aware, um, there's two there's two markets, in my opinion, that are um, highly manipulated and are supported by a banking cartel, and uh, and that is the bond markets, which, in my view, should be uh, in terms of valuation substantially lower and paying a much much higher interest rate. Even though we are beginning to move in that direction. Debt, at the end of the day, just let's talk about America for now, uh, total revenue receipts are around 52% of expenditure. That means their, to their total, uh, you have 48% of their total um, expenditure that is being added in new debt every year. So you have a market that has abundant supply of existing debt and new debt that is being created. This should be, by the law of supply and demand is scarcity is value. Uh, anything that falls out of the sky for free, like rain, uh, should not cost you very, very much, apart from a distribution cost or a collection and, uh, and a decontamination cost. Bonds are like sunlight and rain at the moment, only even more available uh, and don't require any sanitization. There is just an absolute plethora of them. Um, and of course, in the Eurozone, they are supposedly tightening while reserving a license to continue to support the Italian uh, bond market, which is a massive problem, sitting at 4%. So that is an overvalued market. And you only have to look at the Japanese and yield curve control. That is an overvalued market that should be allowed to fall if it wasn't for entities. And remember, you and I aren't actively engaged in the debt market apart from our pensions normally. Uh, so it, a lot of what you put aside for savings ends up there, whether you like it or not, unless you have a self-invested personal pension. So they are sustaining and holding up. And the yield curve control of Japan is the most obvious level of holding up a valuation that shouldn't be held. You're being paid in Japan on debt 0.25 uh, interest rates in an environment that you have double digit inflation in almost every country or knocking on the door if not yet there. So that is a artificially held up and a non-price discovery mechanism that is being manufactured. It's, it's complete smoke and mirrors for the masses. And when, for every market that is artificially being held up, there's something that puts the lie to that, that has to be held down. And the canary in the uh, gold mine is of course the precious metals. So um, it's kind of, uh, and, and Dimartini is excellent for this. I talk about that, where you suppress on one place somewhere else, uh, you get an overinflation. If you keep being artificially humble in other areas of your life, you're super arrogant. It, it applies at all levels. You can't, in, a, in an equilibrium, and I always think of water always finds its level. In markets, price discovery should be allowed to find its level. Whenever you put in artificial interferences, you create a hyper overvaluation in one place and an undervaluation in somewhere else. So the paper price is broad, in my opinion. And you should take physical delivery. And it's my also my opinion, and I'll give you a couple of keys as to why that is well backed, is that um, if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't fraud, why does the price of gold always tend to go up if you split gold by the Asian session and the New York session? 
Why is it always going down on the New York session? If you look at 30, 40 years, the gold chart on the New York session rolls over like this, like a payment curve on a mortgage. And on the Asian session, it goes absolutely parabolic. And we end up with the net paper gold price, which is the aggregated of the two, which still, against most currencies, has done a pretty decent without being exceptional. Don't forget crypto, you've been totally spoilt in terms of that uh, job of holding value. Go look at Turkish Lira gold, go look at the yen gold, and I'll pull some of those up because I do that often. So in actual fact, um, it's still leaking out gold to some degree, um, but it, uh, shouldn't, uh, it, it should be a whole bunch more in terms of the scale of our debt and mar uh, bond markets for which every nation state is over involved. So the gold is going from west to east. And this is essentially a discount window, in my opinion, that is being held open, probably for the fact that the Chinese have over a trillion in U.S. debt, although they're very keen to get rid of it, I would imagine. Um, and as a result, they are they have a manufactured gold uh, window. They are the net in biggest providers and the biggest importers. So we are watching a transfer of wealth where, uh, you know, J.P. Morgan himself said it. Gold is money, everything else is currency. And we're seeing that transfer going to the communistic, Bolshevik communistic states. Uh, and so I do fear for our quality of life, our levels of freedom in the realm where the money is now held by uh, one of the most draconian governments. But I'm a, sad to say that's the flow of the real gold. So absolutely, you should be stacking and you should treat it as a discounts window. <laughs> So we are at a point where potentially the, um, the the dollar is going to be causing a big problem to the U.S. economy. And you could also see some of the other central banks raising interest rates, which would then take the heat out of this move. So I've got to be honest, I was thinking when you said that you wanted to come on that there was going to be an about turn in your view and you were looking for a reversal of the dollar, which is what some people are looking for, including myself, actually, I, I've been looking for a top. I've been bullish for a while. And now I'm seeing signs that I would go against this trend uh, very soon. Um, and so between sort of 110, between 108 and 110, I was looking for a top, maybe as far as 112, because you never really know where the top's going to be. But I feel uneasy about being long dollars now, having been quite positive about being long dollars part of what backs up in my view that that call is that when you look at short-term interest rates and interest rate futures and the way they're trading if we look at february next year fed funds rates predicted to be around four percent if you look at sort of september time they're predicted to be around four percent and that doesn't seem to be shifting. There's not a, a big upward move. Now, when you look at the 10-year and the 30-year and the, the two-year, yeah, there there is an upward trend in those yields. So we've got a rising yield curve. But it doesn't feel like the Fed are going to be moving as fast as people think, in my view. And that only leaves potential for everyone else to catch up. On top of that, some of the massive inflationary moves, we all know about oil and and uh, energy costs but some of the food prices have actually collapsed back down and have done for a while and we've also got this potential word demand destruction going on and also if you've got a collapsing stock market which is what i was going to ask you next about your views whether you still think that the s p is going to collapse um then i can't see the fed 
being in a position to to raise interest rates much further than they're probably going to do after September? No, that's another good question. Um, so here's what the market has been in a state of general disbelief. This isn't the first time that it's under, in terms of implication, that it's underexpressed what's ended up happening. This happened a whole bunch earlier. In fact, the stock market's uh, VIX has been, in, for large periods, very benign, while the bond market's VIX has been extremely, uh, significantly higher, move, uh, as it's known. Uh, so this is showing almost two different op uh, opinions or, or the, the notion that the one market will be entirely insulated by the, the inflation, for example, and thereby it will hold value in inflation and even appreciate. Um, and I think people are over, overly brisk to price in the privet. There's, a, there's an over tendency to be overly brisk to become a reversal trader. And the safest place is usually continuation until until you see real, real evidence. Now, on the oil that's gone down to uh, out of the hundreds uh, and into the upper 90s. In fact, you might have had WTI even. Let me just check the price in the upper 80s at the moment. Don't forget that dollar cost that the bulk of the people who are buying it are still having to get dollars first that are costing more. So the true reduction inflation is only for Americans at 87 uh, uh, and 93 on Brent. Um, if you're paying dollars and those dollars now cost you significantly more, um, the, the inflationary cost is still stubbornly high for the rest of the world in an environment where the dollar is going up. There's that. Second of all, I will say there is something in support of your argument because there, there is a possibility of a pause and um, we actually set out a level. When we did our Dixie uh, forecast, we, we gave a target of 110.3, which actually has just occurred today. And post a target make, there, there often is what we call progress decay, which means no more further upside and a, and a pause for a bit. And this could dovetail uh, into um, what you're suggesting, that there could be a pause. My, my personal assessment of any pause that will come is that it will not be like our $2,000 uh, gold core that's now had a substantial pause and even a year and a half later sitting in the lowly 1700s um, since that's uh, localized high. So you've been in an extended period of progress decay. I think um, that the dollar, any pause it might have, will be shorter lived quite substantially, and you're going to get a lot of peak inflation, peak yield, um, buy bonds where diamonds, callers coming back out again. Two, I want to highlight you saying if the system is, is going into its death throes, one of the things that has to happen for the new system to be introduced and to go is you properly, people are inert and have inertia. They'd rather stay with where they are. How do you move an entire globe from one system to the other? Well, if they're sitting on an over burden donkey, you kill the donkey to get him onto the new horse, uh, the fresh new surveillance token central bank delight uh, that will have all singing and dancing social scores and everything they have planned for us, all cost and uh, wet dreams for people management. Um, you, the, the way you get everybody move is you create a prominent problem, you cre create a major reaction, which could be social unrest, food shortages, you really hit them at Maslow's hierarchy of needs right at base layer, 
uh, in terms of shelter and food. And then you say, hey, we've been thinking and having 24-7 meetings and working so hard for you and we've got an idea, here's this new solution, which you've always had prepared, that you've been trialing for a long, long time, and it makes it look like you're just not letting another crisis go to waste, and it's time to be radical, and here you implement the solution. So the death of the, death of the old system is a debt-based system. So we almost need to see the death of debt. And the one way when you have an utter proliferation of debt uh, for it to die is it has to lose uh, substantial value and no, and no longer support pensions, no longer sought everything that fi over financially engineered nations have relied on. So that means further downside in valuation for bonds, which could lead to a blow off uh, rates uh, occurring. And this could lead to a blow off dollar spike, which just kills the rest of the world because so many commodities still priced in dollars and they can't afford X, Y, Z. And then the whole world comes to a halt, et cetera, et cetera. That would be a, a way that you shoot the old mule. Uh, that we've been running on since Bretton, the previous Bretton Woods, uh, and you bring in Bretton Woods Mark III or Mark whichever uh, variation. So there is a death, there is a death that has to take place for the new life to arrest. There's not going to be that long-winded parallel running. They need to mass force everybody over. This is shock treatment. Sorry to uh, cut in, Francis, but it, 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 along this scenario, is there not an alternative which is just as the economic baton is being passed from the west to the call of the east so therefore the the possibilities in terms of future replacement successor currencies could also be something ruble renminbi gold backed and it has yeah. nothing to do with what the west actually wants to impose on its citizenry because the west is the west is now sort of a is a dying donkey Correct. But the dollar is a part of the weapon. It's like the military industrial complex. It's a financial and economic weapon. And so when faced with threat, it will fight for its survival by knee jerk response. Um, and that's how that's how you get to uh, a super spike uh, of dominance that is very temporary, by the way. So this is not me being a major lover of the dollar hegemony. Uh, and one or or central bank digital currency. Yes. Uh, so, so part of that process of how we kill, I'm still talking about the kill. Remember, we will, we don't know how these other things that are still to come will be introduced. But I see a death and a problem reaction solution cycle that will see us very much in a position where we'll sign anything just to end the pain we're in. Uh, that's how you force a decision and a change in a in a dramatic seize the, uh, the, the opportunity in the crisis moment, which is very much how these uh, uh, cartels operate. So it's gun to the head, uh, sign here. Uh, and for that event to occur, we, we kill debt by escalating interest rates and a spike in the dollar. Uh, and I do feel that model is being further vindicated. We've had this opinion for an extended period. Um, we remember saying Brent's, Brent Johnson, who, who popularized the phrase dollar milkshake, uh, is right in principle but wrong in timing. And that was roughly here when you were up at these highs. And that was a major spike in dollar strength. People forgot that before the, before the proliferation took place. You were, you know, you, everyone was talking about it at that one point. You were, and that was 103. And you're sitting at 110 today. So um, there, there, there is a dearth of dollars. There's tightening, 
uh, and there's removal of dollars from the system, even though not at a rapid rate, at, uh, 53 billion apparently a month, um, it's still a removal. So it's deeply, deeply hurting rest of the world. Emerging. What, sorry, what, one of the reasons I asked the question is because I wonder whether many investors, private investors, trying to understand what's going on, are unaware of just the sort of the, the nature of the tectonic shifts in the plates of the world that are going on right now. The, what, the, what, what I would suggest is that the future historians, future economic historians will likely see the Biden administration um, measures, sanctions against Putin marked effectively the end of the petrodollar system. Full stop. Yeah. Well, many, I, I mean, I know where I stand and it, it's not a popular view. Most people consider it uh, incompetence. Uh, I'm afraid I see it as more than just that. Um, I think it's, I see it as engineered. Uh, each administration has done destructive things and that there's, it's actually been such a robust system that it's taken a chain of terrible events through bad management from the subprime, even the dot-com boom, the, 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 the negligence of Greenspan, uh, the dot-com boom, uh, the Goldilocks economy, every element, the, the great financial crisis, you can see it, you can put it all down. Oh, there was another event of incompetence, 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 and now here we are. Um, I, truly, I, I, see, uh, I see it as more dark than that. But mm. that, that's an argument about a detail. The key thing is, what do you do about protecting your wealth? And the key point is, how do you arc from the old system, puts your seize and lock in wealth that will then be able to re-kick into the railway because there's a change of track that's mm. happening. In fact, you're going from a two-tracker Western railway to a monorail. And most things are going to go herring off the two-tracker and crash into the sand because that track is over. Um, and what you need is this golden arch that carries you from the two-tracker onto the monorail as preservation of wealth. Um, and the best thing is not digital. Everything we're seeing is actually anti-metaverse games at the moment. Yeah. It's about physical things. Uh, it's not the time to be digital. All that's coming, and it will be introduced on the monorail system if you want to seize that analogy. Um, but to make sure you make it, uh, physical things that are can't be printed uh, can be owned explicitly by you and held by you, and that's which brings me back to um, the PMs as being sure. your your primary vestige and use the discount window and carry it over. And as you've already alluded to, Russia and China for credibility, because this will be a new system, how will they be different? Everyone will be very jaded on government-based monetary systems after the problem reaction solution we're working our way into for the final mega problem to hit us for Northern mm. Hemisphere winter. I do feel this Q4 is gonna be um, bitter how, how do you get people to be show confidence in a new system if you're the BRICS? Well, uh, you're going to resort to something that's timeless and is physical. Mm -hmm. um, and China's already been stacking and America has already been holding open the discount window for the Asians to move it over. And I would expect a major announcement of Chinese gold holdings that will astound most analysts would probably be accompanied with any CBDC release and mention of uh, gold backing. As the Russian ruble mini microcosm has already shown, utilizing oil and gold, having mm. gone from 160 back down to 60 uh, after that blow-off event. So we've already been given a clue 
And the truth is things aren't random. There's lots of clues and dots all over the place and it's can you make sense of it? And what do you then do once you've done your best best rational thought analysis of how everything goes down? You action um, on the basis of what you have already seen, not what people say, what you've actually seen happen. How did Russia deal with their blow off crisis at 160 USD ruble? Hey, we've got resources, we've got gold. This is the era of things. Guess what? And next thing you know, back down at 60. Um, there's your clue. And as a result, uh, I put it to you, people should be deep, deep, deep in physically held non-ETF, non-paper uh, precious metals. That is your arc. That is your golden walkway from the two tracker uh, iron horse to the monorail system that they're going to bring. And there's a nasty valley that you tumble into if you haven't got that skywalk in your back pocket to unpack at the moment that everybody else careers off the cliff and is underprepared. Um, and I can't put it uh, a better analogy forward for that. And that's exactly the point, isn't it? That uh, I mentioned t- sort of tectonic plate shifting earlier. I think I'm correct in saying that emerging markets now account for more of the global economy than developed ones do. So that, that, that baton has already been passed on. We're living through it as we speak. And if we were to sum up this this whole sort of thing in terms of big big picture, uh, broad brushstroke uh, ideas, it would be the the West of basically over-financialized uh, debt product, fiat product, over-financialized stuff is is looking much markedly less attractive, not least in terms of growth stock terms, compared to the emerging market economies or so-called emerging market economies that have things that people actually need, energy, oil, fuel, food, natural resources, including precious metals. So it's, it's, it's moving away from a world of financialized shit to desperately needed real world stuff that is probably one of the major investment trends or themes to, to be exploited over the next few years. And there's two things I'd like to add to what you said so eloquently there. A loss of faith, faith in debt. So the financial engineered to infinity contracts for difference, derivatives, all of that. Uh, that is paperwork um, and hyperinflated perceived value add in an environment where physical and being able to deal with the lower base level Maslow hierarchy of his needs are now regaining popularity. Uh, and the other thing is GDP measures. GDP measures uh, that rate some lawyer sitting in an investment bank that has put together massive contracts for difference or collateralized obligations, the perceived value that we have accorded to the services industry, the banking and financial engineering industry versus the sheer value of just getting um, a fresh watermelon uh, delivered at your grocery store or um, having uh, rubber to, to make tires for your car uh, via a manufacturing process. So I think we're going to see a major re-rating in the fluff, the fluffy perceived uh, leverage contractual, um, the, the paper society we created of leverage and financial engineering and the true GDP of actual value that is needed for which we absolutely have to have as we go back to base level. Um, and all these other things are going to look very superficial and hyper overvalued. Um, so GDP measures which take these kind of things into account are almost uh, almost invariably overinflated in favor of Western banking cartel uh, societies. Uh, and we're going to see a major re-rating. So I'm sitting in South Africa 
where they've had grid downs for a while. Um, but, you know, it's a nation of farmers. Uh, I'd rather see resets out here with a mm. summer going into a summer where it's very difficult to separate me from food. The soil is amazing. I can live by the sea, have great moist sea air. Water is plenty of it. Um, and boreholes, plenty of it. Be power independent of grid. The quality of life. And when I think of the difference between, say, the rand sitting at 17 and a half to the dollar or even 20 to the pound uh, and the quality of life that I would have, I would I see those those levels, not to put South Africa as a paragon of virtue, by the way, I'm just talking the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you have uh, the ability to grow, uh, live, have sunshine and eat, you're you're actually doing a lot better than bitterly cold, wet, uh, energy, hyper-reliant urban environments in, say, the outlying areas of London. Uh, the quality of life and the value is not reflected in the currency. And I add that to my GDP complete dystopia of true contribution to global society. And I think that whole gap, that credibility gap, gets ratcheted strongly down. And actually, you can buy incredible property here with a pound still, even despite the pound's malaise, and certainly with a dollar, uh, and have be secure and have a great uh, living, quality of living, and it's just not reflected in the rates. And now, a lot of the ailments that have had the first world, third world element of a country like South Africa are now coming to Europe. So you're going to go from this highly engineered first world debt uh, harness to actually having third world power downs, grids off, can't do gas now, don't charge your EV car, um, petrol rationing, um, shortages. So a key point I want to make on top of this, when people say and governments say, we will intervene, there's, they are trying to intervene with pricing mechanisms that are exposing them. And they, instead of following Ronald Reagan's rule of um, don't just do something, stand there, they invariably make the problem worse. So if they say, well, we'll ration to maintain price, that is a shortage. That is a, that is a Bolshevism. That is the, the communists lining up in Moscow for three loaves of bread, but at a cheap price, and only the first three in the queue get the bread. That is not true price discovery. That means there would be much more product available if the price was allowed higher. So that's where black markets start to come, and you can buy, but it costs you 10x more. You need to know somebody. You go dodgy dealings and dirty you know, dirty deeds done dirt cheap late at night, and you buy XYZ at an artificially inflated price, but there's always supply um, versus the notion that we've done our bit to keep a lid on pricing and all these do-gooders and I and you've just got Liz Trust come in there in the UK and on uh, all these initiatives that are going to cap power costs. No, if there's if anything that interrupts with a price discovery mechanism in a hyperinflationary environment, a double-digit inflation environment, they are actually instituting Bolshevism on you. This is your, the eventual event is if you do not have full price discovery and there's artificial means, you are paying for it in some other way and it'll come in available volume, will be greatly restricted. Um, shortages, cuts, essentially the equivalent of lockdowns, which is even more. I'd rather be able to buy what I need at, at numbers I need it than actually have a small amount that I never have any hope of getting and three people in the front of the queue get. And that is the, a step closer to communism. This is the Russian experience. Whenever you think of the, the dark hours of Russian, you're, you're talking about shortages and black markets. This is this is Bolshevism. And who the orchestrated insiders will be those running the black markets and getting eye-ripping uh, multiples uh, to ensure supply. 
And that is the journey that people are facing. So these do-gooders that are here to help you, they were the original government that sat aside while their central banks proliferated currency, supported debt markets beyond its sustain, destroyed a price uh, discovery mechanism and a number of core core markets, suppressed the gold price, inflated the bond price, created hyperstagflation environments so that they can crash you into a Bolshevik-based communism. And they will now do you good and keep a cap in the name of this politician is doing X, Y, Z. Guess what? The volume will go down. No one does not-for-profit business for long. Uh, that means you be, it's being subsidized somewhere else. Your taxes will go up. Something else will happen. Or they will continue to print even more debt and monetize it and accelerate the eventual uh, collapse. There is no free lunch in this. And the do-gooders are your enemy. I was, that actually dovetails quite nicely into the question that I was going to ask about the dollar then turning down. So if you don't see it happening now or you just see a very shallow retracement before it continues, it's up with trend. First of all, do you think that can happen without interest rates going up and supporting it? And B, if you do think that there's going to be a big move to have a equivalent financial reset move to CBDCs, when do you think this will happen in earnest and affect the US dollar? If we were to divide this into three cycles, problem and subsequent reaction, and then the final delivery of the solution, which is when many governments will be simultaneously, much like if we think of the events of March 2020, how they were all having similar mandates, similar informationals that were being passed over. That moment that introduces the CBDC, which will be, let's call it the solution phase, we are already knee deep and well into the problem. We need a final escalation to cause absolute extreme crisis where there's non-functionality. That needs empty shops, it needs riots, it needs um, the right to bring out militarized police, which gives them a draconian martial law type laws. You need a justification to bring out brute force uh, police uh, policing strategies, which then can be applied much like you saw COVID police chasing grannies or park benches were getting a bit of sunshine during the course of March 2020 events. Um, so they, they want you to give them that validation to then get strong arm on you. So we are knee deep in the problem uh, period and I see this playing out this quarter and into the first quarter of next year, as I say, a winter of discontent for the Northern Hemisphere. The extent of the problem is going to up absolutely escalate. And for that to continue, I can see interest rates still being stubbornly high and possibly even going higher and dollar having its melt up that we expect. We're still a long way off from delivering our forecasted or scenario costed gain for the Korean one. That's an absolute blow off. It requires an absolute blow off. This is yen 250, you know, 232.50. This and that's it's coming. It's accelerating. Could we rest here for a bit first? As I highlighted, it is possible because we on our red jaw we've just made that target. This is our uh, current target. So we've been out there saying 110.3, 110.3 for the Dixie. So many people, if I talk too dollar dominant, will say you're wrong, you're wrong, and you get a pullback. You could get a pullback all the way back to 107 and a rest for a month um, or six weeks, and we still won't be wrong on the macro. Macro appears to move slowly. It's that old saying, you know, it takes a decade for anything to happen, and then in days, decades happen. Um, and we're in the we're in the the in days, decades happen, and especially in terms of currency movers. We've been saying this is your new crypto market. You know, crypto. I'm just benignly grabbing shorts every time there's a consolidation, um, and in, and expecting further downside. Uh, FX is it. 
the cost of trading FX is actually quite low. You can go major to major on uh, things like the yen. They've got very low interest rates, interest rate parities. You could even get a positive carry if you've got a, a good deal with your broker. If you're going um, the dollar, which is paying more than, say, uh, say the yen, which is the very low rates. So um, I don't know if I answered your question in all of that, but um, it's going to get worse. Q, Q4 of 2022 and Q1 of 2023 for me are a lot of peg fails potential. Uh, like the Hong Kong dollar, which we've spoken of in uh, great measure, and the Russian Chinese BRICS CBDC solution will probably come out at in and around peak dollar. And just before that comes, I would say, uh, or during that point that they're saying we're starting to release it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that's the time to be clear of your dollars. Um, but you should be accumulating gold throughout that because the minute we get really, really intense, there will come a point where precious metals, and I call this the pivot point, um, the dollar discount window uh, on gold and silver will start to close. And you might start to see the paper price to retain any sense of credibility having to reflect the run into uh, precious metals. You will see a massive extension in premiums and massive delays on delivery. So you'll start to have bullion dealers that are forward selling mine, uh, mine deliveries that are in Q1 of next year during, a, say, Q4 of this year uh, and having to wait two months till they actually get the metals and then maybe being outbid. You might even get the gold gazump um, mm -hmm. where guys will just say, look, we can't honor that price. You need to send this in. This is a global macro event. You're going to see counterparty risk. I mean, I've got financial trades on here on FX. I'm expecting. Um, brokers to go bust. I may not reap my biggest forecast trades. I might watch them happen on screen only uh, on the basis that the brokers will say, we've had to fold. We've, you know, we had counterparty risk here. This bank has gone bust as a result of that. Uh, you don't have anything in your trading account. So this is an environment where you need to bleed profits out uh, and you have to convert it into metals. So all things are on the table for failure. People are not talking sufficiently about counterparty risk. I don't see a need long run for a massive banking retail banking system and this will be a token head thrown to the peasants and the plebeians uh, in the bread and circuses game you know we've punished those bankers we're going to come direct to you there's no more need for these people in industries there are a couple of industries that i think are going to uh, dissipate immensely there'll still be investment banking there'll still be assets managers of course i'm talking about retail banks particularly uh, i think that's succeeding there may be a certain period of overlap with all of that. It's very difficult to switch it all off when you have old granny with saving books, et cetera, et cetera. But people will be forced to learn. They'll be pushed. Um, uh, the other industry that I see as a real problem is discount airlines. I don't see discount airlines uh, surviving. On this watermelon communism they're bringing where uh, anybody who flies is doing damage to the planet, uh, the, the peasantry getting their cheap Ryanair ticket to go for a summer in Spain, I think those days uh, are, are, are going. They're going to load charges, carbon, it's carbon taxes, all of these things. They're going to make it punitive. They'll either fold the airlines or those prices will no longer exist and will no longer fall into the, uh, the realm of discount. Um, so a couple of industries that will probably see really tough times, in my view, retail banking um, and low-cost airlines. So your outlook for the equity markets is clearly bearish. Um, we haven't actually taken out the June low as yet. We saw quite a decent rally. The market's coming off now. Where do you think 
it's going to be going in the short term and the long term. Is it possible that the S&P could actually rally on an inflationary story and perhaps on a carry trade from people borrowing in yen and increasing risk? Or do you think it's just down all the way? Um, so on your equities uh, comments, so we talked the US market because it's most known and uh, common. Um, I can, if you want me to have a look at uh, FTSE as well, uh, for the, your UK Sure, yeah. I mean, the FTSE looks a bit more bullish than, than the rest of the markets. And I, well, I, I wonder whether that's because the currency is a bit weaker. But yeah, uh, yes. let's, let's start with the US. Yes, that's a very important point that you immediately added in there. Currency effect. Currency effect. Eventually, companies become good value if the currency is devaluing and the share market is benign or soft. Um, and when you know Britain had a lot of uh, angst about Cadbury's falling under American uh, hands, you looked at many industries where you know EDF bought out energy companies in Britain, and you now essentially have electricity de France with power over British energy supply. So there's a lot of um, narratives that don't always sit very well with the local Brit uh, in terms also of. Also, that the FTSE uh, hasn't gone anywhere in 20 years. That's right. I often speak about Brave lagging about the height of the market at 6,997. That's when I arrived in Britain in uh, 1999, just in time for the, the river of fire that wasn't millennium celebration. And uh, in actual fact, uh, it's now 22 years later. And had I bought a tracker, I would have been standing still. We would have had compounded inflation. Uh, much higher than you stated for better part of 22 years. So, yeah, it's a very valid point. It's been an absolutely awful uh, equity performance from Britain. And I think America will be due many decades of that. You've got to remember Britain is one step ahead of where America might be. The ex, the ex guy that was top dog, that was the uh, currency of uh, price, uh, global currency of price. So we drew a head and shoulder. That head and shoulders performed. And you since got the, the subsequent rally, which was quite brisk and admittedly returned well through the neckline. Um, but head and shoulders that perform to target often are cyclical terms. So I, I am still short on uh, the S&P. This is the Dow that I was just showing you. But let's bring up the S&P. It's probably a slightly more popular and more common measure. Um, sure. By, it's, so if you, if you could just mention like actual price levels, because some people won't be looking at the charts, although this will be on YouTube. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see the actual charts. But for people who may be listening in the car, it might be nice just to talk about the actual numbers so they can get an idea of what you mean. So the tricky, the tricky part about head and shoulder reversals is once the targets have been made and the target downside target on the S&P, the SPY that I have was 379.99, call it 380 for a bag of chips, um, was already made and you rallied all the way back up to the neckline of 427 uh, since you've since smashed out of that rising wedge. So um, the, some of the most violent price movements are rallies in bear markets. Uh, and I would argue you've had quite a strong one um, during this period. I just bit my bottom lip and let it go. So I put on puts in and around here and I watched them go deeply into money and go back out um, on the rally and go mildly back in where we stand now. The thing with a head and shoulders, if it is a cyclical turn and we're going into a mega depression, one of the ways that you properly create a problem is you remove people's access to food, you remove their access to money, and you create a, a mental state of a feeling of poverty and anxiety. When you keep people in a state of fear or poverty and anxiety, then they are far more malleable 
uh, and amenable to anything that represents solutions. So my overall scenario is if I were running this show and I were trying to hurt all these cats and it was my long-term gain to own all the chips in the casino, uh, I would absolutely seek to crash this and we'd have a reduced wealth effect. So we need to see house prices go down substantially and we need to see equity markets collapse significantly further. That doesn't generate a target for you, but I do feel that each successive crisis and subsequent response has got ever more exaggerated. So the notion that central banks bring stability is absolutely false. They have added volatility by doing no pain economies and building up a much bigger toxicity in the system that's needed a far greater bloodletting. And we never cleaned up from 2008. And certainly the events of March 2020 were a spike capitulation and then an instant mega band-aid that just kept coming at such scale that it papered, it was using paper to paper over cracks. But it's not very efficient. It's like heating the house, throwing six trillion into the fire. You will create a fireball, but there's no roof on the house. So everyone will get scorched and super hot and you'll have super hot valuations on things. And then that fireball quickly dissipates because paper burns quickly. Um, and now you have a, you're left with a very cold room again and a lot of ash. Uh, and that's kind of where I think we are. So the, greater, the next crisis is literally getting greater. Each one I see is, is exceeding the other one. Um, and the, once you've added seven trillion, you've got to remember QE, not in QE, one, two, three, four, and twist. Did they even get anywhere close to that number? And we've got people like uh, David Hunter who's still looking for a blow off in markets after six or seven trillion was added and ARK went from around $30 to 160 and many other NASDAQ stocks went similarly up. And I'm going, why aren't you looking at charts? Why are you not paying attention? You've had your blow off. Now we do the next stage on a, a down dip. Uh, so there's no target in that, unfortunately, in the head and shoulders, because how low does she go? Um, well, how much pain are they going to pour on to achieve their uh, goals? Well, if, uh, if I think you'll be tested to this, uh, it's not unlikely to think you'll be tested to this COVID low and beyond. So that actually makes this really just the first innings in a possible six inning game of crash, minor rally, crash, minor rally, crash, minor rally, uh, or major rally. Uh, but still further crash. Uh, so you you can see the 218.56 of the COVID lows and more, and you can still not have dealt with this blow off. That just means returning to the moderated lows. If you look at this, I'll just do a, make a small point, and this is captured by uh, a number of equities. You had this 2016 was the Shanghai crisis when basically China hit the buffers on its indebtedness. None of that has changed. Just more of that knowledge is available. The G8 got together and it was the unofficial Shanghai Accord uh, and they agreed to uh, work together to tape the financial system together. China created heat during the 2008 to 16 period in the global economy. Everything was China's taking over while we were all licking our wounds. Now they surpassed even what we did in terms of indebtedness, uh, in terms of building for the future, in terms of leverage upon leverage in property companies. That's why you're hearing about Evergrande. That's why you're seeing bank runs. That's why you're seeing people complaining that they've paid and the building stopped on sites. You don't even know the full extent if you would shudder the bad practices if you knew. Everybody thinks and that, that the East, because we don't get media coverage at the same level, the scale of the skullduggery is absolutely vast. Uh, and that's going to cause a major um, downdraft as well. Uh, in the global side, there's no one else left who isn't indebted to actually create heat in the global economy. So we've 
we've shot all our bolts. But I just want to show you this technical because this this reiterates even in a highly speculative ETF like ARK. You've got a broadening structure and you had the COVID collapse March 2020. Then you got the seven trillion and you got this major blow off. To get back down anywhere here in this broadening structure, let's say that midpoint, you don't have to go to the extremist low. That just means you've taken back the blow off created by a six or seven trillion. You haven't had your debt reset yet. You know, that just takes you back to where you were in the ridiculous amount of fiat fireball that was created uh, in the events of March 2020. So to actually run this low and to go substantially lower than 2016, just to equal 2016 is quite modest for me. So this is an Armageddonist scenario I'm talking about. It's quite extreme. And I understand if people just go, oh, what a bear, what a doomsday prophet. I think it's an opportunity. I think it's an amazing opportunity. I think people will be closing these trades too soon. They will not perceive the scale of corruption, the scale of the debt, and the scale of the deflation. And this is the final one. We're not getting another COVID relief and going back to the old system. This is the final one. They have been keeping rather quiet on CBDCs now. Uh, they were talking a lot about it a year, 18 months and a year ago. They've been testing like mad. Those things are doorstop ready. They're sitting in the, the showrooms ready to be wheeled out like a shiny brand new car, uh, in my opinion. This is the last crash before to end all crashes. And they say, well, we have to bring a new system in. Everybody is smashed. We need a more equitable society. We need to be more sympathetic to the green agenda, the green environment. This is the setup. So I think you could, you most likely run these 2016 lows. If you can't visualize it, jump on a chart and go to a bigger time frame and have a look how things have gone um, and how much further you truly could fall. You know, that's on a log scale. You could come well back down here. You could go, at, the sky is the limit. This is, I'm making a major outlier call. So, so, so this is the, uh, this is the, the, the SPY, which is the, the ETF trust. I think most Correct. people will probably look at the S&P 500 for reference levels. I mean, of course, the chart will look the same. But I think it's, uh, so instead of 393.1, I think it'll be 3,930 we're at now. Um, if I stand corrected, I'm, I'm, I might not be correct. Let me just see if we can just get a standard S&P. I, I normally have problems when I try to pull up the index itself. There's the cash. Let's have a look at that. Yeah, so it's 3,000. It's just it's just an extra digit uh, on it. Right. So you just don't have the history here for yeah. me to show okay. you the fullness of that. Sure. So if I go back to the SPY, ju yeah. just add, move the decimal place one across. It, it's pretty consistent on okay. that. And you will have the actual SPY, uh, the actual S&P 500, apologies, uh, level. So the SPY ETF is a tenth um, by definition. And I, um, uh, I kind of guessed right. That's how I remember it. Um, so if we pull that back up. And this is your major one. And we have proper history here because you truly have to dust off your chart histories to see a, a system that ends all system. And the people that are still standing, that are not worrying about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and where their next can of beans comes from, are the people that will be picking up these assets on the chief. And that's so, how you steal all the chips in the casino. You, 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 you devastate everybody. So you've mentioned that a couple of times, and I'm, that's the first time I've heard of it. So clearly it's something to do with what you need to live and you know forget about where you might be living. Um, you, you need access, obviously, to food, water, and shelter. Um, but where, where, where does this come from? Where's this Maslow's hierarchy of needs? So uh, it's a, I think it falls under psychology. It's also an economic history. So essentially, Maslow spoke of a pyramid uh, like this. Uh, who was and he, by the way? 
he was a prominent author and I think psychologist stroke economist that said um, self-actualization is when you have your base layer, which means you have the minimum for your food security, your physical safety security, you have a house, a roof over your head, or a place to live. <coughs> it doesn't have to be a house, I suppose. In a long time ago, it would have been, you know, a tree house or a hut. Uh, and you have food, a steady supply of food. Then you start focusing on other needs like, um, you know, education, uh, how you grow, you self-advance, right the way up to the capstone, which is sort of self-actualization, status, how you viewed, making a contribution, being remembered post-life. These are all very ego and, you know, being the, being a king of your local community, um, being this big benevolent uh, giver and carer and do-gooder and man who made a difference, who will be remembered almost beyond uh, your own mortality. Um, so this is how we strive in essence. And so the base layer is you've just got to survive. Uh, then you get to the mid-levels, you try and prove yourself, you try grow, um, you try add value, and then eventually you self-actualize into, you know, a Nelson Mandela or a Gandhi or whatever the case may be. And we're all aspiring to be perceived um, as, uh, as, as, a, as a high standard, high quality member of society um, and a major contributor to science, to economics, to care, to children, whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, Mother Teresa or Gandhi, Nelson Mandela would be deemed to have self-actualized to be great leaders of their time and freedom seekers for, you know, their people and made a huge benevolent contribution to other people's lives well past their own mortality. So that's the, that's the pyramid. And you start just by surviving and you go all the way through these stages. And what I'm actually saying is all things about ego and whether you drive a Porsche Cayenne or have a Rocker Rolex uh, or things like that are going to become far less re relevant because when you're not looking after the base level, all the other things are not important. When you get shaken to the foundation, which is base level of the Maslow's pyramid, um, essentially yeah, all you care is where's my next meal coming from, uh, how do I keep warm, um, those are those are different, uh, that's a totally lower level uh, endemic, personal, physical need just for survival. Had you, had you heard of him, Tim? I, I was aware of the hierarchy of needs, but I, did, I, I must admit I don't know, I'm not familiar with the backstory as well as Francis is. So um, you, you put a chart of the NASDAQ up there. I mean, to me that, uh, I, I, you know, obviously the market could go up or down and um, no one has a monopoly on being wrong, but that does look like an upward trend and is retracing not a particularly big retracement compared to some of the others that we've seen. If you were to draw yeah. a trend line in there, it would probably be coming fairly close to uh, hitting support. So do, do you still think that that is a chart that's showing big downside ahead or, or do you think? No, this is not a technical assessment. You're quite right technically by assessing this as a, a substantial bull trend. And um, to be clear, depending how quickly the Fed pivots from um, undermining the market by pursuing hawkish policies and then pivots violently in the opposite direction will determine how quickly um, 
they will, I've, I've just realized we've had a power down here. Right. And I'm getting to about 3%, uh, 5 or 10%. So I may suddenly disappear, guys. Okay. And I apologize. I can't even charge my battery because the, the power is uh, locked down. Uh, power, not locked down, power down was at 4 o'clock today. We do haven't we, had many, but we're a bit unlucky. Do you want to put um, your video off there? That might save a bit of power. Yes, I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll uh, save yeah. a bit of power. These, I think these are very real um, experiences that others will come to experience as well. Uh, so, so your question is the trend is good. The trend is a bull trend, but it's been reliant on a financial engineering, an escalation in valuation. Um, declining and, bond yields and inflation. And a declining bond yields and inflation and an ever-increasing um, monetary base. So obviously assets go go up. If we all uh, increase the monetary base, people have more uh, money to spend. I mean, if uh, if we're both trapped on a boat and I find an apple uh, and then I'm happy to sell it uh, and Tim and Patrick are there and you've got two pound and Patrick's got one pound, uh, the price of the apple is two pound. But if one of you have a hundred pounds uh, or the, the whole boat is filled with notes, uh, I might sell that apple for a million. Um, and this is this is the scale of the monetary base. So the, this whole Nasdaq, decades and decades of it, um, has existed in an ever-expanding monetary policy system. And if the BRICS nations bring any level of gold into this, which only expands at 1.1, which they will initially start maybe strictly, you're just not going to have that jet fuel that has driven valuations. And you're not going to create that positive feeding loop that it makes it worth everybody's while to get in and everybody chases in. You could have that 70s period, that 60s to 70s, until the early 80s when the market started to run. You can have lost decades. Uh, and then eventually the corruptive governments will start finding mechanisms to unhitch from that which is uh, giving good grounding uh, and create a more hyper-pumped-juiced uh, uh, casino again. And so we repeat the cycle. Um, but this, you are watching the tail end of um, mega juice uh, equity markets and valuations. And the house property markets are the same. If you rebase this by the house market prices or even by gold, it won't look near as uh, juiced uh, at all. And if you took standard businesses, not the NASDAQ, and you rebased it uh, by gold, that's, and remember, I don't consider the gold price fully valued at all in the paper markets. It's probably not the asset. If you just took uh, shadow stats, inflation rate, and you rebased it. A lot of these curves look a lot less sexy. It's juiced by money creation. All of this is juiced by money creation. And if we go into a new system where you no longer are, uh, it's more stoic uh, of nature or more uh, less less financial engineering, given, the, given how burnt and painful and everyone will feel, and it will all be blamed on capitalism, when in actual fact it was cronyism, uh, by a captured cartel of bankers that over leveraged through self-greed on the basis that they could uh, socialize their losses and capitalize their gains, which is not capitalism at all. It's a monopoly or it's a, it's a parasitic cartel within uh, a society. Uh, but they'll call it capitalism. There'll be this backlash against that. Uh, and that's going to set up a perfect surrounds for hypertaxation on anybody who overachieves. It's going to set up a lot of negative feedback loops on anybody who looks to improve their um, own court. There will be a great pressure on uniformity, and this is the big Bolshevik revolution that I refer to, social scores uh, and everything and control. 
uh, are going to be the order of the day. Surveillance and finance are the order of the day. That part I can't help and hide and say that's pretty dystopian, which is why I want to be quasi-rural. I want to be independent of water and power. And I want to be able to grow at least some of my food resort uh, and have others that I barter with. And I'm happy to have silver and gold coins and tokens on me, uh, not tokens, physical coins. Let me just say that I, I can exchange for goods with uh, other people. Do you think there's any way this um, this reset can be uh, derailed? Because it sounds like you're you're expecting to, let's say, survive the aftermath. But ideally, the, 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 the derailment of the process would step in before then. Look at Julian Assange, look at Snowden and the sacrifices they made to make massive revelations. And what has the system done with him? You know, so you're, saying, you're saying the deep state dies hard. Yeah, they're not going to. They, they, this is this is bully boy stories uh, where media is captured, police are captured, judicial is captured. Um, I mean, you've essentially got a journalist that highlighted that if we were murdering journalists in uh, Iraq, Afghanistan uh, and he's jailed for it, uh, who exposed politicians' uh, deception, none of which was denied or refuted and is largely accepted as accurate. So you've got someone who spoke truth about power who's essentially already served for as far as wanted purpose must be 15 years in jail and is now going to be extradited where he can be put in a solitary confinement, treated terribly until he literally probably tops himself uh, or has such poor quality of life, he dies early um, and can be totally under the control of a bunch of psychopaths. Uh, and, you know, Snowden himself is in essential house arrest. or well, he's probably free to move in Russia, but he's essentially country-bound um, and isolated. Uh, and God help him if he ever stepped out. Um, so that, that's what happens to people that do real acts of bravery and self-sacrifice to give us knowledge. And how many of us are waking up every morning and thanking these guys for revealing their great game? How much? How many of us are losing sleep about saving them and their quality of life? Unfortunately, um, their sacrifice is informative to us all, but it's not going to see them saved. I'm afraid I'm going to time out on battery any second, guys. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, if you, we'll have to pick this up again. Marketsniper.com. Uh, if people want to help become potentially my neighbour in a property community on a hill close to the sea, self-reliance, battery, power, uh, not as unreliant on state as we can be, as libertarian as we can be, as self-reliant as possible, both on food, security, uh, that what I was describing as the Maslow's hierarchy of leave is the game for me. Okay. Thanks for having me on, guys. You're very welcome. Cheers, Francis. We'll put links to all your handles and uh, your website and your Twitter, etc. And uh, thanks once again for coming on the show and we'll look forward to having you back. Thank you. All the best to everybody. Oh, keep your chin up, exercise. Keep your, you know, this is an opportunity. It's an obstacle course. Go and go and run it. Get prepared. Get fit. Uh, it doesn't have to. You can come out a bigger man. You can come out a leader. You might actually achieve your self-actualization at the top of the pyramid during a period of great duress. Leaders are born in hard times. That's a nice way to end it. Thanks again. Cheers, Cheers Francis. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.